You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of a Bible doctrine series by Pastor Daniel White. Now let's prepare our hearts as Pastor White brings forth God's truths from his word today. We have unrighteous judges and a court system that has become anti-family. Verdicts coming down against the very family units. We have perverted, immoral, and wicked governmental leaders who should be leaders that we look up to morally and righteously. Uh, When the righteous are in authority, the people what? The people rejoice. All right, but we don't have those good, righteous examples before us. And we hear about all the corruption. We hear about all the immorality going on, especially in Washington and in high places of authority. A society which has lost its moral compass is a society in which we live. Why have we lost our moral compass? Why? Because the Bible is our moral compass. It is. We've lost that. And that is clearly seen in Hollywood and through the entertainment that we have today. I hope that most of you are not entertained by Hollywood. But the little pieces that we may pick up here and there through advertisement, we see the attack upon the family in Hollywood. We see it with even Walt Disney. Direct assault, direct attack upon the family. We have divorce. We're going to talk about divorce here in just a little bit, how that's devastated our society. We have single parent homes. We have dysfunctional families. Dysfunctional families are very normal now. They're not the abnorm. They're very normal. We now have pornography and fornication and adultery has now become very commonplace. We have sexual abuse and we hear about it what? All the time. Not something that just happens occasionally. We hear about it all the time now. We have alcohol and drug abuse, which is very common in our families today. Poverty. Do you know that 80% of those in poverty come from homes where there's not a traditional family unit? That's pretty amazing when you stop and think about it. You want to get out of poverty, have a traditional family unit, husband, wife, children. We now have homosexual marriage. We now have incredible carnality within the church of Jesus Christ. We ought to be salt and we ought to be light. And now we find ourselves... Not part of the solution, but we find ourselves a part of the very problem itself. Less than half American households now contain a traditional biblical family. More than 40% of children are now born into households in which there is no father. I mean, just stop for a minute and let these facts sink in. 
the rate of non-married cohabitation is up seven times over what it was in the 1970s. Very common for people to live together now. Over half of all marriages end in divorce. You may have heard me say this when I've spoken about this before. Actually, that has declined. But the reason it has declined is not because there's less divorces. It's because people are choosing not to get married and just live together. But still, half, a little over half of all marriages end in divorce. Over two-thirds of second marriages end in divorce. The United States now has the highest divorce rate in the entire world. For women under the age of 30 in the United States, more than half of all babies are born out of wedlock. Today, more than half of all couples move in together before they get married. is being projected that approximately 50% of all U.S. children will be on food stamps at some point before they reach the age of 18. Again, this is because of the breakup of the family. Approximately 47% of all high school students are sexually active. We're not saying have had sex out of marriage. We're saying they are sexually active. That's scary. One out of 14 girls in the United States has a sexually transmitted disease. Now there are 20 sexually transmitted diseases in America. Black women are more than five times as likely as white women to have an abortion. On average, 1,876 uh, 1, black babies are aborted every day in the United States. That's just that's staggering. This was just a few years ago. I got the website there. You can go to and you can read more about this. This is horrifying. It was a few years ago. There were 17,000 aborted babies that were found in a dumpster outside of a laboratory in Los Angeles, California. 15,000 of them were black babies. Fifty-six million abortions since 1973. There are more than three million <clears throat> reports of child abuse in the United States every single year. Let me say something to you young people here that don't appreciate a Christian family and Christian parents. And those who are seeking to bring you up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You could be living in one of these situations. It 
instead of being raised by parents, an increasing number of children in America are being raised by movies, television, internet, and video games. This is uh, unbelievable statistics here. This is just an example. The average young American will spend over 12,000 hours playing video games before they are 21 years of age. Now let me have a show of hands. How many of you here play video games? Just lift up your hand. Probably just about everyone. Okay? I'm not, I don't do it. I don't like it. I think it's a waste of time. Never got into it. The only one that I ever played was bang, bang, shoot the deer. And uh, that wasn't any fun. So I never got into that. But I do understand how addictive it is. I do understand the amount of time that's spent playing these games. And so if your children are playing video games, at least limit them. But that's just, I'm going to tell you something, that's just wrong. 12,000 hours? Could you imagine if our young people were spreading the gospel in that amount of time? The average teenager is spending nine hours. I didn't believe this. But I checked this out in several different sources. The average teenager is spending nine hours a day on the internet and on social media. Do you think Satan's just like, I got these families? For tweens, those are those between 8 and 12 years of age, they spend nearly six hours a day on the Internet and in social media. I don't think there's ever been a time where it's as difficult to raise children and to protect our children as it is today, and now all of our children think that, you know, they have to have a cell phone like everyone else, and they have to have an Xbox like everyone else, and they have to have an iPad like everyone else, and they have to have a computer like everyone else, and they have to have access to the... The average teenager spends less than five minutes a day in conversation with their parents. All right, stop. How much time are they spending on social media and on the Internet a day? And how much connecting with their parents? Five minutes. God's Word says that the foundations be destroyed. What can the righteous do? Let me ask you. Are the foundations being destroyed? What can we do?
rebuild them. We can be rebuilders. Individually, in our own families, collectively as a church, and hopefully influencing society around us. We need to rebuild our families. So we're going to start. Those are just some of the facts as to where we are as a people and a culture, society. Now we're going to start uh, where we should start, and that's with uh, the husband, the father, and the responsibilities that he has there within the family. It's a husband to his wife and a father to his children. There are 12 problems that women face. And men have to face these problems. They need to recognize what these problems are. I really encourage you to take notes uh, throughout this whole series and jot these things down because I'm going to be giving you a lot of information. Uh, I have 20, 25 minutes or so to go through all of this. So obviously we cannot pause and spend a lot of time looking at each one of these. But first of all is the frustration at the absence of spiritual leadership. If you were to go into most of our churches, are churches full of men or women? Women. Now we are very blessed to have the men that we have here in our church, the godly men that we have in our church, the spiritually minded men that we have in our church. And we have young men in our church who love the Lord and are going to carry on the torch to the next generation. We are really blessed. We are blessed to have the balance that we have in our church between young and old. Most churches are just old. Uh, My uh, brother-in-law has just started pastoring a church, runs about 300 in attendance. The average age is 65 years and older. And they don't have any young people in their church, just an old church sitting on almost a million dollars, and none of them want to spend it. I'm like, give me a million dollars, I'll spend it. (laughs) Amen, we'll do some work of the ministry there. But our churches are dying. And so we we are very blessed to have the balance that we have in our church. But many women are very frustrated over the fact that their husbands simply will not be the spiritual leader. So when a husband doesn't take the spiritual leadership, then the wife tries to usurp that leadership, and she tries to take over that spiritual authority, and then what does the husband do? He resents it, right? And so um, a real frustration there on the part of the wives, men, you really need to step up to the plate. Many wives complain of just a, a meaningless life, just stuck in this home, and what meaning does my life really have? And that's why a lot of women will seek different interests outside of the home when the Bible said that a woman should be a keeper at home. So she feels like she just has a meaningless life. Uncontrollable insecurity. We're going to talk about how we as husbands need to provide security for our wives here. We can get that far tonight. She feels unloved. My husband has different interests elsewhere and I just don't feel loved by my husband. A belief that the husband is taking her for granted. He's not giving her the appreciation that she needs. And again, when the wife doesn't feel like she's getting that, she's going to look for it elsewhere. Then there's an absence of trust. Maybe the husband has lied to his wife. And I'll tell you what, you lie to your wife and that that distrust is there. It takes a long time 
to get that back. If there's an absence of trust. Then there's the loneliness. They may live together, but really they're just kind of cohabitating together. There's a loneliness there. The hearts are not being shared with each other. There's a need and a relationship, especially on the wife's part, for intimate communication. One of the number one things that a wife wants is to communicate with her husband, to talk with her husband, to share her heart with her husband, to have her husband hear her. So if she doesn't have that, there's a tremendous need. There's a lack of commitment from the husband. He's just not committed to me. He's just not committed to his family. His commitment is to his job, his interests, his hobbies, and other things. The children are totally left up to the mother for discipline. There's the inability on the wife to control her emotions. Does the Bible say the wife is a weaker vessel? Yeah. Emotionally, she's weaker. Inability to control the spending and her daily activities. And she needs a husband to come alongside of her and help her, not criticize her, but to come alongside of her and help her and give her the organization that she needs. If she doesn't have that, and then there's bitterness that can enter in. Because now she's blaming her husband for all of these things that are going on in her life. And the last thing you want is a bitter woman to get a hold of you. Okay? And then we got the fault finding. We're going through it because it's your fault. No, it's not. It's your fault. There's back and forth. And you lose that oneness of spirit in the marriage. <clears throat> so those are 12 common problems that women face, that men, we have to recognize it. We really need to see if our wives are struggling in those areas and then find out how to meet her needs in those areas. Then there's 13 things that separate a father from his children. And we are in a generation where fathers are really cut off from their children. One of the reasons that fathers are cut off, and they allow themselves, men, we allow this to happen, is because of our demands at work. We just get engrossed in our work. We find our fulfillment in our work. Our work becomes the most important thing to us. And that's where we find our joy and our happiness and our satisfaction in life. We don't find it in our relationship with our wife and with our children or in our church. We find it in our work. And then there's divorce, which obviously separates families. And then there's just outright neglect. Okay, More concerned about self than you are about your family. Again, the average child spends less than five minutes a day in conversation uh, with their fathers. So we now have bitterness, we have anger, we have resentment, and this characterizes the majority of teenagers' attitudes towards their fathers. So if you were to go into your average public school and you were to sit down with all the teenage boys and ask them what their relationship is with their dad, this is what's going to come out. They're angry. They're bitter. They deeply resent their father for these reasons that we're going to look at right now. So we have a lot of rebellion going on there in our teenagers. Number one is the absenteeism of the father. 
He's just not around. Uh, you talk to our young people who work the bus ministry. Dads aren't there. They're just not around. Another thing, dads, is rules without principles to undergird them. You do it because I say so. But why? What is the principle behind that? What is the biblical principle behind that? That's what you need. Then there's double standards. What is a double standard? It's when a father says, you can't do this, but he does it himself. You can't watch this, but I can. You can't drink this, but I can. You can't go there, but I can. Dads, that doesn't fly. We need to lead by example. Next, our fathers who are unwilling to discipline. They just do not deal with discipline there within the home. Fathers who are unwilling to listen to their children. Maybe the children have a complaint. Children have a concern. Children just want to share something with you. You just you don't want to hear it. Next one is fathers who consistently dis- uh, display anger. Uh, the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. So anger drives children away from you, turns their heart away from you. Fathers who discipline in anger. So you got the fathers who don't discipline at all. And then you got the fathers who do discipline. They discipline in anger. Fathers who continually criticize. Now once in a while we have to, with our training and our discipleship of our children, bring some criticism in, some rebuke in there. But just constant, constant criticism will drive the hearts of the children away from their fathers. Fathers who fight and quarrel with the wife or with their mother. What, what will children do in a situation like this? They'll take up an offense for their mother. Turn their heart from their fathers. So what does the Bible say? That the hearts of the children are to be turned to the, to the fathers. And the hearts of the fathers to be turned to the children. Lest I smite the land with a curse. Has our land been smitten with a curse? Okay. Why? Because the hearts of the children are not turned to their fathers. And the hearts of the fathers are not turned to their children. In order for that curse to be removed, that has to happen. Okay? So dads, we need to recognize these 13 things. Next is fathers who are unpredictable. Never know what he's going to do. One day he may react this way, and another day he may react another way. One day he lets us get away with it, and another day he comes down hard on us for doing it. Just totally unpredictable. Fathers who place unhealthy pressure on their children to succeed. Always pushing their children. Putting their children down when their children do not meet their expectations. Maybe your child isn't even interested in what you're interested in. It's just amazing how different, all my ten kids, how different they are. Um, Isaac's the only one that likes hunting. The rest of my children, there's something wrong with them. I don't know what it, what it is. Something wrong with them. But you know, you just have children that have different interests. 
So, you know what? I've never pushed my children to hunt. If you don't want to hunt with me, fine. As long as Isaac drags the deer out of the woods, it's all right. <laughs> Daniel does a little hunting with us just once in a while. Every time he goes out, he shoots a deer, though. I don't get it. I don't get it. Deer gravitate toward him. And uh, fathers, uh, lack of interest in the activities of their children. Children want their parents to be there, to watch them, to get involved in their activities. Fathers who relinquish responsibility for the bringing up of the children to the mom. Let mom do it. Let the school do it. Let the church do it. What the Bible says fathers, right? Bring up your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Doesn't say mothers, doesn't say school, doesn't say church. It says fathers, bring up your children. So what happens when we have the wife and her needs not being met? We have the children reacting to their fathers. What do we have? We have the blame game going on. It goes all the way back to the garden, doesn't it? A husband's failure in these areas will result in a breakdown in the marital relationship. Resentment will enter in. There'll be a breakdown in communication. Bitterness. There'll be anger. There'll be arguments. There'll be a loss of intimacy. And there'll be fighting. Is this very common in our families today? And where does it eventually end up? Eventually ends up in divorce court. It's not where we want to go, amen? I had a young couple in my office last night, and they're going to get married, and just had a delightful time with them, and talking to them about their wedding, and getting married, and giving them a little bit of counsel, and talking to them about divorce, and they, this is what they said. We will never, ever consider divorce. You know what? I've never met a young couple who ever said, oh yeah, we'll consider divorce if things don't work out. No. When they come to me, they think they're going to be what? Happy for the rest of their lives. But you know what? There's couples that I have married that have divorced. We have to guard our marriages. We have to guard our relationship with our children. We have to put effort into it. That's what this series is all going to be about. Christ and his church, which we are, have provided tremendous insight and solutions to the problems that husbands and wives face. And this was the passage of scripture that we started out with here tonight. Christ meets every need. Do you believe that? He meets every need that the church has by loving us unconditionally. Does he love us and care for us? No matter what we do. Whosoever cometh unto me, I will in no wise, what? I'm not going to cast them out. I'm not going to divorce them. I, I will never leave thee, nor I won't forsake thee. The unconditional love that Christ has for us is the same unconditional love that the husband is to have for his wife. When a husband acts this way towards his wife, it would dramatically affect her behavior. Wives, wouldn't you agree that it's much more easier to obey 
and submit and follow your husband if he is loving and cherishing you unconditionally? Yes or no? So the initiation then comes from the husband and the response to that then comes from the wife. Christ's love for the church is a model for a husband's love for his wife. What did Christ do? He sacrificed without what? Are there a lot of sacrifices that have to be made in a marriage? Absolutely. Marriage is all about sacrifice. But if you sacrifice for your wife, but then you complain about all the sacrifices that you have made, guess what? She doesn't feel much loved. So though we make sacrifices, we never complain about the sacrifices that we have to make. Forgiveness without reminder. Does he forgive us of all of our sin? Does he ever remind us about it again? As far as the east is from the west, buried in the deepest sea. Forgiveness without reminder. You forgive and forget. Next is giving without getting. Did Jesus give without getting? Yeah. And that's love, isn't it? For God so loved that he, that he gave. And then fourthly is uh, selflessness without restraint. Just being selfless. Not holding back. Just whatever I have to do to meet your need, I'd be willing to do. To such extent that what did Christ do? He laid down his life for his church. Does your wife know that you would lay down your life for her at a moment's notice? Selflessness without resentment. So we have sacrifice without complaint, forgiveness without reminder, giving without getting, and selflessness without resentment. You don't resent it. You just give yourself to her. And then, of course, as we mentioned, unconditional love. Just loving her unconditionally. When you do this, will it make for a good marriage? It'll make, not for a good marriage, this will make for a great marriage if a wife feels that she's loved that way by her husband. So Christ's relationship to his church suggests three things that every wife needs from her husband. She needs strength and intimacy. Strength and intimacy. He is our what? He is the Savior, this passage of Scripture says. means that he protects us. He is our nourisher. means that he what? Feeds us. He is the one who cherishes us. That means that he guards us emotionally. So three things it says about the Lord for the church, that the husband is to love his wife in the same way, the Savior, the nourisher, and the cherisher. Protecting physically, feeding spiritually, and guarding her emotionally. So we have strength and intimacy. Next we have is perfect and complete what? Security. 
Remember how I mentioned earlier that the wife wants to feel secure in her husband's love, protected by her husband's love. Many men uh, complain about their wife having an independent spirit. Have you ever met a woman with an independent spirit? I don't know of any man that likes an independent spirit on the part of his wife. The possible reason for this is the failure on the husband's part to provide the security that every wife really needs. If she doesn't feel secure, then she's going to become very independent. All right? So let's talk about this lockbox. Let's talk about this security that the wife needs. She needs physical security. Giving honor unto the wife is unto the weaker what? Vessel. Are there certain things that God never intended a wife to do? Why? Because she's weaker. Hello? Physically. She's weaker physically. And so the husband comes in and he does the work, physical work, that the wife cannot do or should not be doing. Giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. Financial security. But if any provide not for his own house, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than a what? Okay? Now here. Who ought to take over the financial responsibility in the home? Not the wife. Now, if you are a wife and you control the money in the home, I will tell you this. The one who controls the money usually controls the home. You need to relinquish that over to your husband. <clears throat> the physical security and the financial security. Then the emotional security. Husbands, love your wives and be not what? Bitter against them. Give them the emotional security that they need. And then, of course, we have the spiritual security. If they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home. For it is a shame for women to speak in what? In the church. So you, as a wife, you need to know that you can go to your husband and you can ask him spiritual questions. Not come to the pastor, but go to your husband. If your husband doesn't have the answers and you say, you know, can I go ask so-and-so? And he gives the permission, bring your husband with you. But let me say this. Always look to your husband. When you look to him, then that helps him step up to the plate and take the leadership that God would have him to in this area and give you the security that you need. So we have physical, we have financial, we have emotional, and we have spiritual security. <clears throat> Number three is assurance of uninterrupted attention and concern. Does every wife want the attention of her husband? Yes or no? Yeah, because communication is very, very important to the wife. Not so important to the husband, but very important to the wife. Uh, you'll notice this. When you ladies get together to have your prayer time, um, if you're not careful, you'll spend more time giving prayer requests than you will praying. When men get together for prayer time, you'll say, are there any prayer requests? Fellas, are you sure? Is there, no one has a request? 
Is there anything any of you men want to share? Okay, guys, it's share time. No one says anything. Right? So she wants the assurance of uninterrupted attention. Really lets her know you're concerned about her. Listen to me. This is togetherness for her. This is you giving focused attention. You're not watching the TV. You're not listening to her and texting on your phone. I'm going to tell you, that irritates even me. When you try to talk to someone and they're over there texting on their phone. It's giving personal attention. It's, it's being involved in the conversation yourself. It's having date nights with your wife. Taking her out and just spending that individual time with her. It's doing activities with her. Maybe some things that she enjoys. I actually went shopping with my wife this week. I knew this lesson was coming up, so I figured I better do that. It's just spending quality time. I think every wife wants to spend quality time with her husband. So never allow the following to distract you from having personal time with your wife. Perhaps number one for men is their jobs. We just get absorbed into our jobs. The job just just becomes the most important thing to us. Is your job important? Absolutely, but it's not the most important. Your hobbies, your own personal interest. Is that important? I think everyone needs their own little hobby and things to do, but it's not the most important. All of us have our own personal interest in various things. A lot of us like sports. Computer. I've had women complain to me about the amount of time that their husband spends on the computer. Goes to work, comes home, gets a bite to eat, and gets back on the computer. Can you even allow the ministry to take away from that quality time? Yes, you can. So listen to me, men, here tonight. Don't let any one of these, your jobs, your hobbies, your personal interests, sports, the computer itself, guess down phones we could put in there, or the ministry, detract from that time that your wife needs to spend with you. Assurance of uninterrupted attention. <clears throat> Came across this, I thought it was a pretty good statement. Affairs don't start in bedrooms, they start with conversation. Say, what do we mean by that? What we mean by that is the wife is not getting that intimacy, she's not getting that attention, she's not getting that quality time from her husband. And what does Satan do? Come on, talk to me, church, what does he do? He brings someone else in that will give that to her. And it starts with a conversation. Christ's goal for his church is a model for every husband to have this as your goal. Same passage of scripture. Every wife needs spiritual instruction from her husband. A husband needs to teach their wives the principles of the word 
of God. Husbands need to teach their wives how to solve problems with the word of God. Now, I'm getting somewhere here. Okay, so stay with me as we move through here. Cleansing your wife is a responsibility that God has given to the husbands with the washing of the water by the what? By the word. The goal is to have a glorious church, a glorious wife, where glorious means radiant, without spot, without wrinkle, and without any such thing, any imperfection. We are to love our wives as Christ loves the church. He cleanses us with the washing of the water by the word, that he may present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. The goal, that we should be holy and without blemish. Is this what God is working in my life and your life? My husband, I'm his bride. My husband is working this out in my life. Husbands, when we see stains, flaws, and imperfections in our wives, what are we to do? We're to wash her with the washing of the water by the what? By the word. We're to help her iron out her imperfections, her wrinkles. So what is this telling us? This is telling us that a husband is to be involved in the spiritual life and growth of his wife. He is the one that is to be taking the leadership in that area. A wife's relationship with the Lord is not just her own personal responsibility. Whose responsibility is it? It's the husband's. He has to wash her and he has to iron her out. Every wife needs the moral and spiritual leadership that comes from the Who is to set the standard in the home? It's the husband. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ and the head of the woman is man. And the head of Christ is God. So spiritual initiative should come from the husband, not from the wife. Who ought to make sure that the kids are in church? Who? The husband. Who ought to make sure that the children are being raised in the nurture and admonition of the Lord? The husband. Who's to be cleansing his wife? The husband is to be cleansing his wife. The example should come from the husband. Spiritual decisions should arise with the husband. Standards should be set by the husband. Convictions should be established by the husband. Now, is it the norm for the husbands to set the spiritual initiative? Is it the norm 
for the husbands to make the spiritual decisions? Is it the norm for the husbands to be the standard setters? Is it the norm for the husbands to set the convictions in the home? No. What's the norm? For the wives to do it. And this is something that has to be reversed. So husbands, let's stop complaining about the way that our homes are and let's start doing something about it. Let's stop avoiding the problems and let's be problem solvers. Let's stop excusing ourselves and blaming others. Let's start fulfilling our God-given responsibilities. Now, have I just put up a lot of responsibilities here that the husband has? Wives, pray for your husbands. Support your husbands. Encourage your husbands in these areas. So we can have good, solid families. Husbands who ignore these biblical principles will reap what they sow. So it's the advantage for every husband to have a happy wife. Happy wife, happy life. If your wife is not happy, it's a public rebuke that you have failed to be the husband you need to be to her. The Bible says uh, continual dropping in a... uh, Very rainy day and a contentious woman are alike. It's not the kind of wife we want to have. It is better to dwell in the wilderness than when a contentious and angry woman. It is better to dwell in the corner of a housetop than with a brawling woman in a wide house. Which picture do you want to represent your marriage? Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as under the weaker vessel, being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not what? Hindered. Effective prayer life. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and the Savior of the body. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Let's embrace. Let's embrace these biblical teachings as we go through this next year, starting with the fathers. Next week, we'll talk about the mothers and their responsibility. But you know what? Listen to me, church. We need God's help. It's not easy. It's not easy to be the man that God has called us to be. It's not easy to be the woman that God has called us to be. This is a tough job. But with the Lord, all things are what? They're possible. And it's it's possible to turn around a bad marriage. Amen? It's possible to turn around rebellious children. Amen? God can do this. But he can only do this if we'll cooperate with him and say, I'm going to take these principles... With his help and by his grace, I'm going to live them out in my life.
us pray. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklay.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can see what's happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.